Joy seekers, joy givers, anyone looking for an infusion of joy, you've come to the right place. My name is Deb McGregor. We've got another great show lined up for you. But first, let's give a great big thank you to our sponsors. When it comes to planning for your future, you want an advisor who understands your Christian values. Ameriprise Financial Advisors Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson offer financial planning based on biblical principles. They can help you plan for your goals in a way that is consistent with your faith. Call Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson today. Office is located downtown Bemidji at 122 3rd Street Northwest or at 1202 1st Street East in Park Rapids. Ameriprise Financial offers financial services without regard to religious affiliation or cultural background. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Arise Financial Group, a division of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Are you currently renting your home? Give Team Aylesworth, Noemi, Harry, and Abby of Real Living First Realty a call. Trust them to help guide you through the home buying process. With interest rates as low as they are, now is a good time to take that leap into being a homeowner. The award-winning customer service team is ready to make you their priority. Call Noemi at 218-760-4689 or click the link for Team Aylesworth on the Business Impact Partner page at yourqfm.com. Make owning a home your reality today. Thank you so much, sponsors, and thanks to all of you for choosing to tune in today. You will not be disappointed with today's show as we welcome Pastor Justin Fanger to the show. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. As I'm so excited that you're here. So first of all, there we've got a lot to talk about, so we're going to hopefully keep each other on track with all these different topics Ooh, that, that we want to talk about. That could be a problem. I, I don't know. know. Well, because the problem is we're going to get start talking about the Lord, and both of us will be like, oh, here we yeah, go. Yeah, we're, it, we're it totally could, you might need more than 30 minutes. So I, I know, know. I know. This is what happens. So first of all, um, we need to give people an opportunity to get to know you, and I feel like I'm getting to know you in this because, of course, you were referred to us by someone else, right? It's not like a lot of the people that come on, it's like, oh, yeah, I've known them for 20 years or 10 years, and I know all this stuff about them, right? Sure. So now I feel like we're just sort of like peeling the little onion here. Here we go. Absolutely. So you are currently a pastor in Park Rapids, correct? Correct. Yep. And been, how long have you been there? I've only been there three years. Okay. So this is kind of uh, it's it's a new community for for me and also for for those. Um, actually, most pastors will say it takes you about three years to get into your stride, and so now I'm three years into my stride and. And kind of moving to a, a different location for a little short period of time. Yeah. So, and we're going to get to that yes. in just a minute. I want to know because this is, of course, a question that everybody wants to know from the pastor: is like, have you always known the Lord? Did you have this massive thing that happened, and then it's like, okay, you know, here comes the light, and, and there you are. So, let's talk a little bit about that upbringing and, and how you came to the Lord in the first place, and then the call to become a pastor. Absolutely. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, had very devout uh, grandparents that uh, went to church every single Sunday uh, with, without fail and always uh, dragged me along. I don't think I ever, ever regretted it, though. Um, it was always uh, a traditional worship, traditional feel. Uh, I, would, I grew up Lutheran, um, and that's what I continue to be. And I always remember that when I was a small child, the greatest experience I had, and there has to be something to this, the greatest experience I had of going to church was at the end of the service, the pastor would always go and shake the parishioner's hands. And I looked forward to that moment of shaking that pastor's hands. And I don't, and maybe that was because obviously being a pastor, 
um, or in a way, if you want to call it priest, that we associate that person as an advocate or a spokesperson on behalf of God. And so therefore shaking that godly man's hand um, somehow uh, that that special uh, power or whatever it was uh, would rub off on me. I have no idea, but I just, I looked for that moment of shaking that pastor's hand to get that warm greeting um, of hospitality and generosity and loved and knowing that um, that very person that was preaching to me um, was there for me. And so there's something about that, that handshake of community, of belonging, um, of acceptance, of, um, of, of welcoming, um, which is kind of in a way, uh, oddly enough, is a handshake ministry. Mm. Um, I, I remember one of my first annual trainings uh, for a very large battalion out of Minnesota. And that annual training period, I, I shook so many hand, sol, soldiers' hands, and, I, and it's always a firm grip, right? And, uh, and by the end of those two weeks, I, I feel like I had carpal tunnel in my <laughs> wrist. And, and actually, if you notice, there actually is some politicians um, that have braces on their hands for that sheer purpose. Oh, my goodness. Uh, because, they, I mean, politicians shake a lot of hands. It's just what they do. And, wow. and it's, so there's something... So there's a, there's a dynamic and a power in a handshake, and so you, you got to do it right. I love this, and I love this place you're pointing to about how you looked forward to it and the connection it brought. And I got curious, was that pastor filled with the Holy Spirit? Like, did you just know that you know that, like, do you know what I mean? Like, you know when you know when you know. Yes. Um, because of the, yes, I did. Um, there, there was no no doubt in my mind that th- this person walked with the Lord, um, that even though that they're, I probably didn't know their their foibles until later on in life, but uh, um, but nonetheless, um, that they 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 served. I guess. There's, well, and the reason I'm bringing this up is whether that handshake. I love that you're bringing this piece in because there's something about when you see someone who knows the Lord. That connection, when you see that Holy Spirit working in it, it's like you want a piece that, right? Like, it's like, mm. I just kind of want to touch that. And I am thinking of Jesus and how people just wanted to touch his garment or touch that piece of him. And that's, as you were talking about that, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is biblical. <laughs> like, this is a real thing. And to me, there's something about when people live with the Lord in them, you just know when you know. And there's something about just touch it, just that one yeah, you, little piece of it. I don't know. You know, you know you're exploring something that I probably probably would circle around, but maybe never put my finger upon. And I think you illustrated it very perfectly is that, that when somebody is walking with the Lord, people can't help but to be drawn to them. Yes. Um, and, and so in a, such a, such a chaotic world, uh, in a world full of hurt uh, and pain, um, that, uh, that if, if you're walking with the Lord, you, you can expect to encounter all sorts of people. And, oh, yes. And how wonderful it can be. <laughs> oh, yes. Isn't that interesting is always my favorite. Well, isn't that interesting? And I I love, of course, this is the, the beauty of talking about the Lord, right? There's He always brings a new perspective. He always gives us something new to look yeah. at. And I just love that about the Lord. So it's just great. So I'm curious about when did you, do you, the, the call to get become a pastor may have even started in that moment. But when did you like really get the call? So I explored all sorts of walks of uh, of life. Uh, even be you know as as I be slowly tried to become a pastor it, um, within my faith tradition or denomination, it takes a considerable amount of education mm-hmm. to actually get to where you want to go. Um, and so and I took a little bit longer than most as well. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, probably when I first felt that call, uh, I was 17 years old. 
Um, my dad was not a pastor, uh, but he was given the eulogy for my grandmother uh, who passed away. And I was listening to my dad speak on behalf of my grandmother. I, I looked up at him and I go, you know what? I go, I, that's what I that's what I want to do. Um, and I, I think there was something about speaking on behalf of another or or being an advocate for another who couldn't speak for themselves any longer. For, mm-hmm. for what are various reasons, whether they passed away or whether um, in the midst of oppression or 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 the marginalized or the lost, um, there was something that connected me to that that moment. And, and so from that moment on, uh, I kind of set my mind to it, um, kind of like no other. And uh, eventually, basically, I was ordained when I was 30. Um, and so that was uh, a lot of years in between before I actually, from that moment where this is what I want to do uh, to when I actually finally got to do it in I, totality, I guess. You had a lot of life in there. Yeah, there was a lot of life in there. Um, a lot of, a lot of, the Lord was preparing me. I, I think that there was, um, there was probably some reservation, um, some intrepidation, um, some selfishness, um, uh, some, some folly within my life that God continued to try to kind of purge me of. And so it probably really wasn't until I was about 30 or so that I was probably ready to, to, to step into that, um, uh, not to say that I've been perfected by any means, but there is this refining process. And, and, uh, and so I, I think um, even though I probably would have liked to enter the ministry in the pastoral role uh, sooner, um, I think it was God's appointed time yeah, uh, that absolutely. I did. So. so where did you do your pastoral training? So I ended up being blessed uh, walking to, so I ended up settling um, once I got done with college. I did construction. Um, I, I wanted I wanted to kind of nest my life down, and so I ended up purchasing a home uh, in St. Paul on West Seventh, and and I and I associated home with all and community with having a place of worship, and so it was important to me to find a place of worship within my community, mm-hmm. uh, within walking distance, give or take, and so lo and behold, right down the street, well, give or take a, a mile and a half, um, was uh, St. Mark Evangelical Lutheran Church. And I, I walked through the doors um, and looking around, there was a few young kids, um, a lot of older folks, uh, smaller, probably, you know, anywhere between 65 and maybe 100 people worshiping. And uh, so a young 20-something walks in the door, single, um, you're, you're probably going to stand out, you know, and kind of everybody looks at you. And, and the pastor, once again, um, upon me walking out, Stood at the back, shook everybody's hand, and, and once I shook his hand, he started having questions for me, and he goes, uh, kind of tell me your story, what's, what's life looking like for you? I told him that I was actually um, kind of going as a non-degree student at Luther Seminary, and that's what the route I was pursuing, but I still had some hurdles I had to get through, to jump through, to actually be a fully-fledged student, so to speak, and uh, he took me under his wing um, and gave me some guidance, counseling, mentorship, friendship, um, and love and, uh, and continues to this day. Mm. So uh, I'm eternally grateful to him um, and, uh, and the lessons that he showed me about what it means to be a pastor um, and, and what it means to serve. And so he has always been a, a community-driven uh, pastor, meaning that not only do I serve this local parish, this, this small community of believers, but my ministry far outstends just these four walls. And so, um, I mean, he was a coach. Um, he was on all sorts of, uh, 
uh, boards and federations within the community, um, did a lot of outreach, did a lot of networking with um, a lot of local churches and pastors, um, and just uh, is a, a and it still is a joy uh, to that community. So yeah, I can just feel um, when you speak about the gratitude, yeah. like I literally just the tears welling. Um, yeah. I just want to take that in for a minute because that's real gratitude, right? <laughs> like that is that sweet spot of gratitude. And when you know it, you know it. And, and it's real and it brings so much joy. And I love that you pointed to his bringing joy to the community because now that piece of gratitude for you brings in that joy. It's just, it's really beautiful. Thank you for that moment. That was, yeah. that was beautiful. So you go, so basically you go to Luther mm-hmm. uh, seminary down in the cities and did you have a, a I, was, I, I have no idea how old you are. So I'm trying to like, did, okay, so did, so is Park Rapids your first placement out of that or no? Did you go no, somewhere else first? I, I served in uh, just a wonderful, I, I did a year of internship, which um, it was a rural congregation in, in southeastern North Dakota. Rutland, Havana was a two-point congregation. And I had my supervision up in Fargo at Hope Lutheran, uh, a wonderful um, man who has family in this area, um, Pastor Mike Toomey. Um, is his name, and uh, provided me supervision from kind of afar, but then in a way gave me the freedom um, and the flexibility, but also had some great lay leadership uh, there to help guide me and, and serve me um, while I basically trained to to be a, a pastor. Um, and so I usually call that, even though it was my internship site, I usually call that my first call mm. um, and deeply fell in love with um, rural ministry, with North Dakota, with the people of North Dakota, um, and, and just the, the beauty majesty of, of kind of these vast expanses that you find out mm-hmm. in the plains and, and how that, how it's, it feels deeply spiritual. Yeah. Um, and so I and did that for a year, came back to finish my senior year at Luther Seminary. And then my first call was oddly enough to Eastern North Dakota Synod, um, where my first call, um, I traditionally was to Oaks and Cogswell, North Dakota. Okay. So. Like, oddly enough, it was probably about, what, 28 miles uh, from my internship site is wow. where I first served. Oh, my goodness. And so, and that was, uh, I I was fortunate enough where um, in, in the call process, it's kind of like the NFL draft. Right. You know, your name goes to a bunch of this, ta- the conference of bishops, so to speak, and, and they're all kind of picking who's going where. And so my, my name got pulled to, to go serve uh, Eastern North Dakota. Uh, you know, this, this city kid from, uh, from St. Paul. Um. <laughs> I just, I, I just love this. And obviously you eventually get to Park Rapids do, and have been yeah. here for three years. Yep. Now there's this other big piece that you alluded to in the beginning and we really need to go here, sure. which is at some point the Army National Guard yeah. becomes <laughs> a piece of this incredible journey that you've had. So tell us about how did, how did that happen? Yeah. You know, uh, there's been probably three moments in my life where I made definitive decisions and I've never wavered. Um, the one obviously that was first was, um, my, I want to be a pastor when I was 17 years old, looked up my dad said, that's what I want to do. Never wavered. Although there was some times where I'm like, "Eh, I should, maybe I could do this too. Uh, but nonetheless, um, I've always felt very solid in my call. Um, and, uh, that was one that the second one, um, was, when I was about to, well, when I started dating my, my wife, I said, most likely, I go, one, I'm probably going to go to a rural area, so that's got to be okay with you. And two, I'm thinking about this military thing because when I was 18, I thought about it 
and it just wasn't in the cards right now. I just wasn't wasn't quite led there. I was listening to some advice from from other people, and they said maybe you should consider these things first. And I'm like, mm, okay, um, but that that pull towards that type of service uh, in the military never left me. And when I was um, going to school at Luther Seminary, they would bring in chaplains from the armed forces to recruit, right? And so there would be, you know, Navy chaplains there, there would be Air Force chaplains, there would be Army chaplains, um, and uh, Air Guard chaplains, you know, Army National Guard chaplains, all, all trying to kind of just have that time with those students to explain, hey, what, what does this ministry look like? And, and kind of help you discern um, if you're, you're called in that type of service. And so this went on for like two years, where every single time I would see any man in uniform uh, within the narthex, the welcoming area outside the chapel of Luther Seminary, I would sit down and talk with them. And it got to be like, probably like, I don't know, eight, nine, ten times that I would sit down with these these chaplains. And I'm like, you know, there's got to be something to this, why I keep feeling drawn to to these individuals, much like feeling drawn probably to those those pastors that I wanted to shake hands with when I was, a, when I, when I was little. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking this is this this got to be something, and so I ended, walked into the Cedar Street Armory in St. Paul, and I looked the recruiter in the eyes, and I said, "I want to be a chaplain," and he looks at me, he goes, "I don't know how to do that." He goes, "But I can make you a truck driver." I go, "That sounds good. Let's do that." Um, now, lo and behold, God's hand was in in the midst of it. Um, and so uh, really shortly after I, I enlisted as a, a truck driver, um, I got direct commissioned as a, as a, chapl um, a chaplain wow. candidate um, in the Minnesota National Guard. Wow. And so the chaplain candidacy followed me with my Luther Seminary, allowed me to serve in the capacity and continue to grow and refine skills uh, within that type of specified ministry. Um, and then finally, uh, when I became a pastor, when I was ordained, um, that switched to become a full-fledged chaplain and the in the United States military. Oh my gosh. And so it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, my, and my commitment to that has, has never wavered either. Um, that is, that is where God has placed me. I, I know that I don't do it perfectly. I know I got a lot of room to grow, but I think that's probably what keeps me. That's probably why I've never wavered. Mike, cause there's always something new. There's always a new challenge. There's, there's always somewhere God is leading you. There's always something more to be discovered. I mean, that, I think maybe that's probably where we go back to, I mean, but the scripture doesn't change. Right. But it's a living it, word. It, it, but it is a living word, right? Right. 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 It, it, I mean, I can, I can, I mean, it, it hasn't changed in, in my whole lifetime. I mean, the, the words are still the words that I read when yeah. I was eight, six. Um, and now, you know, roughly getting in my early 40s. So, well, and what I love is, and this is what fascinates me about the Bible so much it is a living word. I can read a same scripture passage today that I read a month ago, and it does not land the same. It's the same words. But how the Holy Spirit is speaking through the words, for me, that's the difference. And the discernment, obviously, is, right. you know, what does that look like? And, and I love that you bring that into this conversation. And you know what else I love about you is these things you're, you're talking about. Well, I didn't waver about it, and I just kind of had this feeling like the Holy Spirit was prompting you, right? Like you had this these prompts. You know, some people call it an intuition. Well, you know, in our world, like this is the Holy Spirit giving those little prompts. We get to choose how we pray into them, how we're obedient to them, how we discern them, right? Like right. this is like when you bring all that in, it's like, yeah. How many others are out there getting something and maybe the paying attention or what maybe the timing, right? So I love that you're encouraging. I really I feel like there's an encouragement here for people is, hey, if you're feeling a prompting, keep praying into that. Keep allowing the Holy Spirit to work into that. So 
tell us a little bit about what does it really mean to be the military chaplain? Like, mm. get us behind the curtain here. Sure. Because we can make up a lot of things about what that looks like. Yeah. We Get us behind the curtain for a moment. You know, first and foremost, obviously, we are there uh, to provide um, and, and perform uh, basically religious... <laughs> I'm trying to be more eloquent in this, but... Um, Within our con- United States Constitution, it is that First Amendment right, the, the practice and freedom of exor- you know, to exercise religion and how you see fit. And that's our primary purpose and focus. Obviously, me being a Christian Protestant pastor kind of does kind of uh, kind of focus my energies when it comes to obviously performing um, because I'm not a Catholic, I'm not a Roman Catholic priest. So there's things that I cannot perform because I'm not a Roman Catholic priest. Um, and, and, and we can kind of, and I'm I'm not a I'm not a rabbi I'm not an imam, um, and so so there's kind of a, a differentiation between what I can pr- provide and what I can perform. Yeah. So we are to provide for all faith backgrounds, all faith groups, um, and providing looks like, you know, making sure that people can gather, making sure that there's a, there's a space for for people to commune, uh, um, making sure that if there's any kind of maybe religious items that they would need. Um, that I, I would be able to order those and provide those. Um, and so it's very unique because you get to engage with all these different faith traditions. Um, and I think what it primarily comes down to is that no matter how much we want to try to disassociate ourselves um, and try to really just kind of focus in on the physicalness of, of our reality because the physicalness is what we can see, it's what we can touch, it, it's what we can make sense of. Mm-hmm. There's a profound spiritual element to every single one of us. And, and in a way, the United States military is saying, no, we, we also affirm that in our soldiers, mm-hmm. uh, that they are, they are mind, body, and spirit. And so therefore, chaplain, you are here to make sure that they are spiritually fit. Because what, what is a spiritually fit person what does that allow the soldiers to do? I mean, because because physicality, right? Physicality constantly changes or can be taken away or can be burnt down or or it can degrade or it can be broken. But but spirituality, right, is is this kind of eternal peace to us. Mm. And it informs us. It, it gives us purpose. It gives us identity. Um, it gives us connection. Uh, it gives us value. Mm. And so... So, so, I mean, we, we need to make sure to have those conversations with our soldiers um, because this is what makes them, this is what's what, I mean, and it's no difference between you or I or soldiers. It's what makes us resilient. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it tells us who we are and what we're yep. about. And obviously, f- from my perspective, is that uh, I align this all with, with, with Jesus. Um, that it, it's Jesus who informs me who I am. It's Jesus who gives me my values. It's, it's, it's Jesus who gives me my purpose. And it's mm-hmm. Jesus that gives me my mission to, to go out and to do these things. And so, um, and we, we do that with, with gentleness and humility. Yeah. Well, and I love that you're bringing up your identity in Christ. Yeah. Because so often that concept about identity, uh, depending on what's informing that, can completely shift that conversation. You said something really important, uh, eternal peace, which I think you were talking about the P-I-E-C-E, which also <laughs> leads to peace, P-E-A-C-E, yes, right? Yes. Like what an amazing play on words with that, because that eternal peace is the peace. Right? right, right. Well, we could even take that one step further. Is that uh, with with peace translated to Hebrew shalom, meaning wholeness? Yes. And so, without that spiritual peace that's nurtured, 
we will not have peace. We will not have that wholeness because we are mind, body, and spirit. Mm -hmm. And we cannot neglect any one of those things, really. And so the military is saying, no, you have a very unique role to make sure that our soldiers are whole. Yes. Um, and, and what a Wow, what a beautiful challenge. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, that, that so what is the biggest challenge about this? I think it's actually making sure that soldiers know that they got a spiritual side to them. <laughs> Here's the well, because let's stop and think about it. I mean, you're training for the physical piece of it. Right? We right. know that, right? And there's so much in that and Oh, they like to they they like to eat dirt and kick mud and so therefore they're they're always in the physical reality of things and they, and they see it immensely, right? Um and they, they, they see the beauty, but they also see the gore. Yeah. And so they're just so mired um, in, in the, the physical reality of things yeah. that sometimes it, they, they, in a way, just kind of, instead of walking through that mud, they begin to kind of sink into it. Yeah. And so it's, it's walking alongside of them in that mud to make sure that they realize that they're, you know what, you're something more. Yeah. And, mm. and you're something more than dirt. Yes. Oh, I um, love that. Oh, my gosh. And we could go to the Bible on that. Yeah, my gosh, this is like we're not going to have time for the show. I, talking about uh, not sinking into the mud, talking about Shalom, um, how do you care for yourself? You are the in-demand pastor. You are this military chaplain. You're a husband. You have a lot of hats and mm -hmm. people constantly putting demands on your time. Mm -hmm. How do you stay yeah, they, yeah. grounded, and how do you that's take care of you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's that's you're, you're convicting me in that because no no it, no no I'm not convicting. <laughs> oh it, yes, if the, Holy the Holy Spirit is, Spirit is okay yes. okay it's not yes, me. That very, that's very that, that was a non-judgmental. <laughs> I was I was no. gen, yeah and genuinely I am curious because you and I, I think talked before we went live that a lot of my friends who are pastors are in this type of ministry. Oh, anybody that's in the service right who. Who, who's caring for us? How are we making sure we're grounded and taking care of ourselves and being filled up so that we can be in service? I mean, I, obviously, I, I spend my time in prayer. Um, I, I started doing, uh, when, when the pandemic hit, COVID, kind of everything shut down. We didn't know what was what. There was kind of chaos. Um, I was led back to what are called daily texts, um, which was provided by Mount Carmel Ministries out of Alexandria, Minnesota. Daily texts were from a Moravian tradition. Um, where you had a group of refugees that had, uh, were forced to leave their home, um, and they, they grounded themselves uh, in Scripture and prayer every evening, which gave them a hope. And so I've, I've been doing that, uh, which has been just so beneficial to me, and I, ho I hope for others. Um, and so prayer, Scripture, um, but God, see, God saw fit to make me an extrovert, and and. I draw so much from being around people from from interactions like this, and so that that when I when I turn myself into a recluse is kind of where I am not necessarily spiritually caring for myself because that's not how God made me. Mm -hmm. And I don't. I guess I shouldn't have said that. I mean, I'm not trying to be derogatory or diminish, um, you know, people that draw their their from their alone time, from their recouping, from their focusing, from their from uh, more of a reflectional basis uh, as as a um, introvert, but, um, everybody so. has a season and everybody yes. has a way they do it. Even the Lord went away for 40 days, right? right? Like this is the whole thing. And I think, uh, part of it is being in tune with what you know you need in that moment. And I mean, my goodness, that's, that's a big deal thing. So I'm just curious about, uh, you're getting ready to go on deployment. I am. So what does this look like in your life? Oh, there's a lot of complex reality. I mean, you've got this congregation, you've got, yeah, I, I mean, 
a unique, but I just see it as a wonderful opportunity. And it's something that me and my wife, I would never have done. Um, I mean, I, one, I would probably, if my wife told me to get out of the military uh, tomorrow, I probably would have to give heed to that. Um, because that, that is really, to be honest, that's my first commitment. Um, I always, I, people always say, well, I always put God first. And I'm like, nah, I don't, I mean, okay. Yeah. But once again, going back to that, that shalom or that wholeness, no, God is encompassing all. Um, and so therefore God's not necessarily number one. God is like the, the beginning and the end. Um, so my, my first commitment, uh, is to my wife. And so, but she, she continues to affirm me and says, Justin, this is what you're made for. This is what you're cut out to do. Um, so therefore I support you. And so, uh, Lo and behold, um, serving this in this capacity, you're eventually going to be deployed. And so my, my time came around, but I am super stoked for the opportunity to, to serve in this capacity into the into the fullness um, because I've never been deployed before. Well, and, and every yeah. single soldier will tell you, well, mo most often than not, we, as, as horrific as deployment can be, as painful as it can be, because you're being separated, you're being removed, you're being put in an uncomfortable situation, uh, sometimes a deadly situation, whatever it may be, but but we we enlist, we sign up, we serve to deploy. Amen. I mean that's that, that that's what we do, and so we are we are. I would like to say that mo most of us, once we try to figure out what the deployment looks like, and once we kind of put our put our, all of our our ducks in a row, so to speak, uh, then we can we can we can finally, in a way, say yes. This is what I'm. This is this is what I'm supposed to do. And you are doing exactly what you're supposed to do, Pastor Justin Fanger. You are amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you promise me you'll come back after deployment and talk to me again? <laughs> oh, if you if you invite me back. <laughs> oh my gosh, you are invited. I'm putting it right here right now. You are amazing, and we will be praying for you uh, while you are on deployment as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to all of you for choosing to tune in today. Please remember to go out, live joy, and share joy. Live joy, share joy, shine your light to the world. This is Deb McGregor of Lifeful of Joy. Thank you for tuning in to Live Joy, Share Joy. We currently have availability for corporate sponsors on the show. Do you want to be aligned with all things joy and reach our listening audience? We have several options available, including our joy boosters. Contact your QFM today for sponsorship details.